listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. So last week, every single Sunday I asked my son, hey, what did you learn at Kids Church? Because there should be an expectation that they're learning something, amen? There should be an expectation, and you want to hear, because many times Jude is teaching me how to love Jesus better. So last week I was on my back porch and I said, Judah, what, what did you learn? He said, watch this. He started rapping. If you ain't glorifying God, what you living for? I said, oh! So listen, if they're not learning anything, they could potentially become a rapper one day. So, so thankful for all the Lord has done. I mean, he was, he was, he had a season where he thought he was going to become a rapper and had to sit him down like, hey, bro, it was tough. How many of you were here for conference last week? I, I just want to continue to celebrate what the Lord has done. I mean, from God delivering people from demons to giving prophetic words to love, going deep into hearts to ending on Sunday with maybe 100 people around the altars just doing business with God. I believe this is what normal Christianity should look like. I know that, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Sometimes we relegate normal Christianity and we call it people who are on fire. But the reality is the Bible is clear. A normal believer is someone who prays, someone who fasts, someone who gives. That's why Jesus says, when you, as a believer, when you, I, when you step into these realities, and so as God continues to stretch our capacity and our ability to believe him for more, we need to partner with him. Can we just agree? We wanna, we wanna partner with heaven. How many of you wanna do that? I'm not interested in no self-help guru, blah, blah, blah. I'm not interested in that, man. Like I'm trying to die to self and step into all that he has for me. There's one way, there's one truth, there's one life. It's all, all. So I don't care if it makes people uncomfortable that people, it's, it's more strange that people are okay with people being demonized. It's more strange that people would be so uncomfortable with people being delivered that it's an issue in the church. If they can't get delivered in church, then where? Jesus help us, yeah? So we want to celebrate this. We don't make it, it's not a big show. It's not, God is driving his people to love, to love. And so um, I had a dream two nights ago. And in the dream, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to speak to our congregation on the backside of Friends of the Bridegroom? And when I went into a dream, I saw the Lord and he had a sword in his mouth. And when he pulled the sword out of his mouth, it had Psalm 34 written on it. So I want to just go through, and some of you are like, that's an issue. Listen, we have to be okay with the Bible. The Bible says, in the last days, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. There will be visions, there will be dreams. There will be prophetic words. And so if we, if we don't get this right, then we're left with something that sounds good but brings no life. The Bible warns us about in the end of the age, there will be a people that are preaching a message that sounds good to the ears, but it has no power. It sounds good. It says they will heap teachers unto themselves that are telling them what they want to hear. I'm not sure what that looks like, but I would assume it would look a lot like, teach me how to live a better life. How can I add more unto myself? How can I get more influence, more social status, more, 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 more? So you start hearing more about us and less about God. And we've just got to be okay with acknowledging and coming into agreement. God, as the days grow darker, we want more dreams, more visions, more visitations. More dreams, more visions, more visitations. 
We have got to have the supernatural activity of God or we have no hope. We have no hope. Good. Psalm 34. Are we good? I want to walk us through the Bible and I just want to engage with the word. Many times we try to figure out what we want to say and then we want to package scriptures around what we want to say to you. But I'm telling you, there is a way for us to engage with the word of God that brings life. I mean, I've got no notes. We are literally going to walk through the word and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And how about as we walk through it, we pray it and we believe that it's going to take root in our hearts. So let's just pray this now. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would allow this seed to fall into fertile soil. God, we're asking that, that, like your word says, that the word of God is like a double-edged sword, that it cuts through. May you cut through this morning. May you help us, Father. We're asking you to teach us how to engage with the word of God that brings life, that speaks truth, it corrects, it reproves. We want all of it. We want all of it. In Jesus' name. So there was a prophetic word in Joel 2 about at the end of the age, there would be this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit came, it blew through in Acts 2, and there was this supernatural shaking in an upper room. How many of you remember this? There was a supernatural shaking in an upper room. Jesus would have walked the earth. 500 people saw Jesus, resurrected Jesus, yet 120 land in an upper room, and they're waiting on the Lord. And as they're waiting on the Lord, fire comes into the room, is as a sound of a mighty rushing wind, and they are touched by the Holy Spirit. And now it's like, what? Peter comes on the scene and he says, hey, remember in Joel, that prophetic word? This is that. And he begins to speak the word of God and 3,000 are added unto them. And from that moment on, the agenda of the Holy Spirit is to make God known to you. This is the agenda. You're like, what is God's plan for my life? God's primary plan for your life is for you to know him. It's not self-serving. It's not egotistic for God to say the best thing for you is me. That doesn't work for everyone. I know some people lead this way, but only God can. Could you imagine, hey, Cub, the best thing for your life, bro, is to, is to know Geo. <laughs> like, no, bro, I know you. But, 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 but when it comes to God, the one who was and is and is to come, who was from everlasting to everlasting, the best and primary assignment of the Holy Spirit say, I want you to know me. That's so why when we get down to the bare bones of prayer room, we're like, what, why do we have, can't we pray at home? Prayer room is not about prayer. Prayer room is about growing in the knowledge of God. Right. It's about coming into God. I want to know you. And when I know you, it says, I no longer call you slave. Now I call you friend. The beauty of friendship is friends, they share their secrets. When we wait on God and we begin to know and understand his person, he shares the intimate secrets of his heart over regions, over people. And so this scripture to me is giving us insight into who God is. So let's dive in. Let's jump in. Verse one, I will bless the Lord sometimes. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast on how many followers it have. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. The humble and the downtrodden will hear it and they will rejoice. Another translation says this, the humble will hear it, the, the lowly, those who are struggling, let's say it like this, those who are struggling will hear it and they will take heart. Say, take heart. take heart. 
Did you feel that in the room as we were worshiping, that opportunity for us to go up and God giving us the opportunity? Hey, I know it's hard, but take heart. This is the same thing that Jesus would say to his disciples in John 13, 14, when they're about to go through the most difficult season of their life. And he says, take heart. Be of good cheer. But they're about to walk into some of the most difficult, one of the most difficult moments of their life, losing Jesus. And he says, hey, listen, take care of your heart. Be careful with what's happening here. And so he says, listen, take heart. And this word praise is important, right? This word praise isn't just, this word praise is, it's exuberant praise. It's that we would engage with the nature of God and it would lead us into celebrating who he is. It's like, oh God, I praise you. No, it's, it's the reality of God's persons striking your heart. And from that place of God striking, not only when it's good, it's actually more intentionally powerful when you're in a low place. Oh, how many of you have been? It's like the lowest of lowest places and you're like, oh my I've messed everything up. I've made all the wrong decisions, yet God, you are present. It's like when you don't know what you're going to do, you have no money, all of your bills, but then he comes in as Jehovah Jireh. This is what I'm talking about. We like praise. Good. That's a great starting place. But what God wants to move us into, this reality, this, my, his praise will continually be on my lips. The, the passion says this, his praise will perpetually be on my lips. Meaning I'm continuing no matter the situation, the circumstance, what I'm being faced with or what's facing me. The nature of who God is, I'm going to keep before me at all times. David would say this, I have found God that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That when the world is trying to tell me where to eat and what, what is going to sustain me, it says, in that place, you prepare a table and you invite me. And all my haters have to watch me feast on you. Yeah. Some of y'all were hating on my overalls. I see you. <laughs> Hutch called me a farmer. <gasps> His praise will continually be on my lips. This is a way that we bring honor and glory to God. It's a way to acknowledge his greatness. James 3 would say about the power of words, and he would say, listen, your words, they're setting the trajectory of your life. It's not just, it's not just death in words. It's also there is life and death in the tongue. Meaning somehow the psalmist is inviting us into a reality that as we begin to partner with heaven about who God is, his sovereignty, his greatness, his mercy, it actually brings the supernatural activity of God that brings divine correction to every wrong thing. Now we've got no problem prophesying death because it's easy to complain. No, and like, you don't have to be prophetic to call out what's wrong with the church. But the greater reality would be that you would insert yourself and learn to love his bride instead of speaking negatively about her and slandering her. And so this is the spirit of the age, and it is the accusation, the spirit of accusation that would keep you isolated, that would keep you out of your tribe and your people and make you feel like you belong nowhere. How do I combat that? His praise will be continually on my lips. God, I bless your church. I know she's not perfect, but she's beautiful. I thank you that at one point I was a drug addict and you met me at an imperfect church and you changed me. 
And somehow now I forgot because I think I know everything about everything. And I've read Acts 2 and Acts 6 and Acts 4 and I have the revelation. Stop. His praise will continually be on my lips. God, I love your church. I love your people. I'm not going to speak about how much money I don't have and speak negative about myself because I'll have no money the rest of my life. Uh, people, well, I'm just broke, bro. You're going to be broke forever. I love, I'm just telling you, you're going to be broke forever because all you're saying, all you're doing is prophesying where you're going. Y'all don't want to hear none of that. It's okay. So praise brings us into alignment with the person of God. So I just want to say, when you're going through your dark night, how many of you have been through a dark night? Oh, when you're going through your dark night, you're not waiting for upper room or destiny in Covington to lead you into high praise. God blessed the Covington wow. How many of you have been blessed by that wow? But I can't have Covington at 3 a.m. when the demonic is pressing in against me and speaking accusations. I can't have them in my ear going, wow, wow, wow. I can't have that. So I have to allow that moment of him expressing the grandeur of God lead me into an intimate moment of saying, I know what everything feels like, but God, you are great. I feel the pressure, but I know that beautiful things are produced in pressure. So I'm not going to allow bitterness and resentment and accusation. Are you, do you hear what I'm saying? This will deliver you. I'm telling you like, well, I need apostle or prophet so-and-so. No. Your, his praise on your lips will bring deliverance. That's through verse 3. That was actually verse, verse come let us exalt. Come, verse 3, come let us tell of the Lord's greatness and let us exalt his name together. Can we just do that for just a moment? Watch how awkward this is going to feel. We're not going to turn on any soaking music. I'm going to encourage you in this moment to just exalt God and speak about his greatness. Not like this, God, I think you're the tribute. I'm going to ask you to open up your mouth all around the room and let's just begin. To, I don't know what, what he did for you, but I can just say, as an 18-year-old kid, God, I thank you that you saved me from addiction. I thank you, God, that at 20 years old, you took a broken marriage and you healed it. I thank you, God, that you broke pornography and addiction off of my life. God, I thank you that they said my son was going to be dead, but he came out of the womb purple and you brought him back to life. I thank you, God, that they said that Selah was going to have cystic fibrosis, but she dances and she sings and she loves you. I thank you, God, that when I came to Tampa, I had no hope and you, you blew on that hopelessness. You blew on that hopelessness and here we are today in a room. You are beautiful. You are glorious. You are mighty. You are deliverer. You are strong tower. You are rescuer. Thank you for your hand upon my children. Thank you for leading me when I walked the other way. You chased me. There is no one like you. You are the God who splits the seas. You close the mouths of lions. You make crooked paths straight. You make the walls of Jericho fall down. It's who you are. It's who you are. We're asking you to lead us into greater realities that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you would open us up. 
we exalt you. You are above all political parties and agendas. You're above principalities over the region. You're above human trafficking and prostitution. You are above. We exalt you. It means to put you in your proper place. I'm not withholding from you because you haven't done what I wanted you to do. We magnify. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us lift up his name. God, may we find ourselves in churches and services extolling your name. We've had enough sermons. We've had enough classes. We thank you, God, for all of that. But if that head knowledge does not lead us to our hearts burning, we don't want it anymore. Now, that moment that we just touched right there is available for you at any time. When you're driving to work, God, I, I bless you. I thank you, God. I was sticking there in worship. I was like, I was just remembering being in the Lithia campus with like 15 people in the room saying, God, I feel so alone. And, I, and then I'm looking around like, we, don't, we need chairs. You see, but we forget. Because the reality is, I have dreams. We're here today, but I have dreams for tomorrow. But if I don't remember where he brought me from, I can't allow true praise to enter into my heart. Because the scheme of the enemy, if he can't get you to step into gross sin, is to forget the goodness of God and what he's done. That's just three verses of the Bible. Verse 4, I sought the Lord on the authority of his word, and he answered me. Thank you, God, that you hear us. And you answer us. And he, oh, he delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to him and they were radiant. Their faces will never say never. His face, their faces will never blush in shame or confusion. How many of you would like to never experience shame again? Or confusion? <laughs> I want to pray over the spirit of fear so bad. We're doing it at the end. Because we might not ever get back. But, but as we praise God, I want you to follow the narrative. I will exalt the Lord. I will keep his praise continually on my lips. I thank you, God, that you hear me. And as you hear me, you break off fear. I don't know how it works. I don't know. People, how everything makes sense. Tell me what made sense to you about you saying six words together and all of a sudden you were saved. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. But there's something about praising God and acknowledging his greatness that literally delivers me from the spirit of fear. Now, none of you have ever dealt with the spirit of fear, but Gio has. There's been times even in pursuing good things. I'm not talking about like walking in dark and gross places and battling prince in good times. When God is leading me towards a place that fear tries to creep in. Now he's saying, as you praise me, I break fear off of you and those who stand and behold me. I will make their faces radiant. They will never deal with shame or confusion again. Meaning this, let's just reverse it. Anytime I feel shame or confusion, my initial response should be, God, I need to behold you. 
Not, listen, I'm all for accountability, discipleship. We want all of that. But it has to start with this. God, I'm feeling an acknowledgement of what's really going on. And then in that place saying, I don't know what to do with this, but your scripture says, as I behold you, you break this off of me. You break confusion. You break fear. You break shame. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps, <laughs> the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. This fear is not like a terror, it's, it's an all-inspired reverence. We've become too familiar with God. Michael Culliano says the best, Jesus is not your homeboy. He's really not. He's a friend, but there's a reason it's going to be called the terrible and great day of the Lord. There's a reason why every time Jesus shows up on the scene in the Old Testament, there was fear. There's a reverence of his person. The Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues each one of them. Verse 8, oh, taste, say taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Now, to taste is to taste. We say this verse, but many of us have tasted of intellectual knowledge or the experience of someone else. But I want to like, I want to just draw us in. I'm actually okay if we just kind of settle here for a moment. To taste is to experience. It's, it's literally like, could you imagine somebody like, bro, you really need to go to like Ruth Chris and have a steak. And they're, talk, they're describing, I haven't had meat since December, so Lord bless it. They're explaining the steak to you and you're like, wow. They're giving you this, it comes out on a 500 degree plate. It's just butter, salt, and pepper. And you can almost cut it with a fork. You're like, wow, have you had it? Like, no, no, no. I saw it on a video. <laughs> no, I, I, never, I never tasted it. I heard somebody talking about this steak. You would immediately dismiss the statement. Why would you dismiss it? Because you never really tasted of it. In order for us to really lead and, and live in a kingdom reality, it is going to require a tasting for you to taste. I'm not saying it's got to be weird. I get it, bro. It's gotten weird. I get it. I get it. But now, because it got weird, we swung the pendulum over here. And all we want to do is talk, 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 talk. Bible knowledge, Bible knowledge, Bible knowledge, but no power, no glory, no, no real. No real. So we're asking God, would you swing us back to the middle, spirit and truth? And would you allow us to taste of the realities of heaven? There's a reason why Paul said, I count everything else as rubbish when I, when I contrast that with knowing you. It's not that Paul hated all the things of the world. It's that he had tasted of a greater reality. Remember, Paul wasn't no slouch. Paul grew up in the priesthood. He knew, he knew, yet still I counted all the loss for the prize of knowing him. Are you with me? Now I want to invite us. If you hear this, you're like, oh, here we go, bro. He says, I'm not doing it. Be delivered from that. What I'm not saying to you is you're not doing enough. What I'm asking of you is those moments that we all have. We've all had these moments where we've been in services and we feel this little tug. How many of you have felt that? This just, and we're like, no, no, no. God, if you want to do it, do it here. 
No, but what are people going to think? I mean, I, the more I think about it, I, the only time I really care what people think and see is when I stand before the Lord. This, this pull towards him where he's saying, listen, as you step, I'll meet you there. As you step, I'll break that thing off. I can't, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed. And I know because I've been there at how many times people walk in and out of church and they leave miserable. They leave tired. They leave broken. Literally this morning when we were doing pre-service prayer, prayer, I felt the weight, like a weight on the chest. Of, and I, believe, I believe this person in the room and there'd be a, a weight on the chest. If you've ever had anxiety, you know this weight. You can't get up, up from under this weight. And you feel this pull, but you're like, God, I can't because if that doesn't work, I really have nothing left. Now to that person, I, I want to bring some encouragement of heart. And this encouragement of heart is found in... Ooh, verse 18. The eyes of the Lord, verse 15, I'm going to start here. Watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries, for they need help. Verse 18, the Lord is near. Say near. near. I want to stop and pause for a second. Because to the brokenhearted person and to a person with crushed spirit, the number one accusation that you hear in your ear is God is gone. God is not here. If God was here, then why? That's a very demonic train of thought because the Bible never promises us because we said yes to Jesus, we're never going to suffer. He invites us into the fellowship of his suffering. But I know what it's like to be in a room and my marriage be broken, Geo doing things that he told the Lord I would never do again, from smoking to pornography. And telling myself and hearing this voice, God has left you. God doesn't hear you. You said you would never again. Why would God ever respond? Do you feel that? Why would God ever again? Yet, if we go back to where we started, the only thing true in this world is the word of God. And my Bible says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves. That, that word saves is a total, it's a total thing. Body, mind, soul, and spirit. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many hardships and perplexed, this is the, this is Bible. Many hardships and perplex, perplexing circumstances confront the righteous, but the Lord rescues him from them all. Think about this. For those of you that I felt the weight, the discouragement, I'm talking about the stuff you, you, you left friends of the bridegroom and nobody knew about it. For some of you, it's why you didn't come to friends of the bridegroom. And the voice of accusation goes on and on and on and on and on. So you say God is good. You sing God is good, but every time you sing it, it offends you because you're experiencing everything but that. What do you say to that person? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. When your spirit feels crushed, 
the Bible says he's going to deliver you. We stand on his word. I got to run. I want to take us to Psalm 40. I'm going to land here. Is this okay? I want to say a statement before we read this psalm that actually was a conversation I was having with Covington earlier. He was speaking to me about embracing the things that God is leading him into. Now, how many of you know as you embrace the things that God is leading you into, there's always going to be a hesitation. For those of you that run full force like that, bless you, lay hands on me. But as I'm stepping out into the impossibilities, I'm not talking about safe Christianity. Talking about the impossibilities of God. There's a hesitation. And this statement came out of his mouth. He said, I had to pursue God. And I have to trust in God's ability to deliver me greater than in the enemy's ability to deceive me. Think about this. How many of us have been paralyzed in fear and stuck? Me too. Because we have more faith in the devil's power to corrupt or derail us than in God's power to keep us. Now, I want to, I want to take us back into the word of God. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned and he heard my cry. I want to declare that as you wait on God and you make space for him, he will always invade that space. He doesn't just invade the space. As we cry out, he hears and he turns. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I know you've already heard this. I'm asking you to experience it. He's the God who turns and he hears us. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire, and he set, say set. To set is to establish. When you set about a foundation for a house, you got to do it right. Because if the foundation is not set, everything else falls off. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing. <laughs> oh, one of the prophetic things I feel like God's going to do today in the service is he's going to give some of you your song back. You have, lost your so you have lost your song. It's sad. So I'm not talking about being a singer. I'm talking about that inner joy. You've seen it on the movies when like there's background music and the guy's like walking all happy. You lost that. You lost that. And it's not even that, it's not, it's not a demonic thing. It's that sometimes misery loves company, but nobody loves misery. I'm, I'm asking us as a people to engage with God's word. How do I do that? I say, God, I feel like I'm in a pit of despair, but your Bible says that you will set me and you will steady me. God, I feel like I've lost my song. I can't sing the words. I just, I have nothing but tears. But your word says that you will put a new song in me. I'm not talking about a new upper room or Bethel song. God, I need a song that will touch the, the, the strings of my heart. He will put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise. Again, that component of praise to our God. Many, uh, this is what I believe today. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. Yeah. 
I ask of us as a church, when was the last time we were amazed by God? I know we're amazed by Jeremiah and his prophecy. We're amazed by Billy and his tears. When was the last time we were like, God? I was just at a conference, just flew back yesterday, and they did two days of speaking prophetically into the prayer movement. All the fathers of the prayer movement were there, and they were speaking and sharing. And um, many of you know Alan. He's a, he's a friend and a father of the house here. And, and I'm thinking, what is the last thing that we're going to hear as we go back to engage with our spiritual family? And he stands up on the stage. He opens his Bible to Psalm 102, and he talks to us about the cry of the destitute. And he says to everyone in the room, 500 of us plus, most of us pastors, we're too strong. We're too strong. We all know how to give the word of knowledge. We know how to wave the flags at the right time. We know how to give all the right prophetic words. But there's no tears. There's no longing. I don't know about you, but when I, when I met Jesus at 18 years old, I was, I was a mess. I didn't, they, they, were, they were with me. I was a mess. I smoked my last cigarette and I walked in. And I was running. I didn't, I didn't want Jesus. I was running. And many times I would find myself in that country old church in Ocean Way crying, saying, thank you for choosing me. I just remember, thank you for choosing me. I can't believe I'm here. And, and sometimes life robs us of that. When was the last time we were like, God, wow. When I first got into ministry, I was getting paid like $125 a week. I couldn't buy ramen. And yet still, I was like, God, wow, you chose me. I'm asking us to receive that from God. I want to be steadied. I want to be set. I don't want to be moved by people. You did not save me. I don't care what you think about my worship or my tears. You didn't, you didn't save me. You didn't choose me. Most of you landed here because you thought we had great worship. You just suffered through my preaching. <laughs> He steadies us. He sets us. He establishes us. And not only did he puts a new song on the inside of us. So I just, I want to ask God to touch us. And there is no shame in this moment. I understand we're all in process. But I'm just asking God to deposit in us a fresh hunger and longing for him. I don't want to lose what I first had. This must have been what he was talking about to the church of Ephesus. It's like, oh man, you experienced revival. You guys saw miracles, signs, and wonders, but you forgot how you felt when I first met you. I want to say to you in the least condemning way possible, this is available for us. Say, it's for me. It's for me. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to give opportunity to respond. I would love to just anoint and, and bless people and ask. So Holy Spirit, we're here. 
And we, we need you. I don't care how put together we are, we need you. And I'm asking you in this moment that you would give grace by the Holy Spirit for people to taste, for people to see, for people to be steadied, for people to be set. I'm asking you, God, to release a new song. This has nothing to do with worship, to release a new song. For those that feel like life has robbed their song, it's a dark night, it's a weight, it's anger, it's fear, it's bitterness. God, I'm asking you to lift it off. We just break all shame and condemnation for those that feel like I can't respond again. I thank you that your mercies are new every day for a reason. Every day. It's not, it's not once a year. It's your mercies are new every day. So God, I need mercy. I need mercy. You said in Ezekiel that you would take out a, a, a stony heart and you would make it tender and responsive to you. I'm asking you for that for me. I really long for no hype, no emotionalism. If you just feel like you just need God to touch you, some have already responded. I'm gonna grab oil and our team just wants to pray with you. And we just wanna come alongside of you. If you feel unstable, then you need to be steadied. If you feel sad, I would say, God, I need you to restore the song of my heart. Maybe you're in the room, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but something I wanna taste. I encourage you to just come to taste of his goodness. It says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God, we just want to respond to your voice. Oh, it's beautiful to you, God. I want to invite my staff to come alongside. If you're in the chair and, and you're good, it's, that's amazing. I would ask, would you just engage in prayer for just a few minutes for these ones down here? They're precious. They're responding to God. That God would touch them. Even if you know someone down here as family, come partner with them. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We just want to come alongside as kingdom family. Just a few minutes, let's just, let's just wait on God. I want us to come into agreement to break the spirit of fear. This is not by our power. This is by his power. But we want to agree. Would you guys just stretch your hands? If you've been dealing with fear or torment, I would just encourage you to just receive. Just all across the room, let's pray right now. Father, we just pray for each one of these down here, God. We ask that you would break the spirit of fear, the spirit of comparison, 
the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety, God, that you would break it and lift it off of your church. In Jesus' name, God, we stand on the authority of your word and we say, fear, go. Every spirit of fear would go. That it would leave every household, every marriage, every house. We, we command every spirit of fear to go in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, that you would take your hands off of your children, off of your sons and daughters, that you would break every accusation. I even, as I was speaking, we just break that voice of accusation that would say, you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You don't belong. I really felt that during the, even during the message that people, are, they don't feel like they belong anywhere. They just feel isolated and alone. I just pray that you just lift up your hands, that you would receive home. Father, in Jesus' name, that you would break off every bit of isolation. God, that you would help them to find their tribe. That you would help them to find their people. That you would help them to find home. There is a settling that happens at home. There's a freedom and a grace, a comfortability to be you at home. We're asking you, Father, to release grace. To release grace. We ask you for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit over every person. Part of tasting is receiving and being filled. We ask you for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, God. Let it go deep, that they may drink deep of your goodness. Like the woman at the well. We pray, God, that, you would, that we would hear the invitation, I have drink you know not of. A water you would never thirst again. Would you pour that out, God? Would you pour that out? We're thirsty. We feel barren. We're asking you, would you send your rain? Send your rain. You said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making crooked paths straight, streams in the wilderness. We're asking you for the streams to flow, for the paths to align and straighten. Just a few more minutes in prayer. It's only 12 o'clock, just a few more minutes. So yeah, I walked in um, in like this brokenness and this same feeling for so many years. And one of the things that I just feel like the Lord is saying right now is that um, as we're praying and we're, we're giving ourselves over to the Lord, um, that it doesn't look, the Lord may not hit you with, with like this supernatural encounter in this moment and then you're forever changed. But what, I, what I've learned over really the last four months, right, is that um, it's a decision that we're making to believe, to believe that he's here and that he's near and that I have permission and I am eligible to taste and receive from the Lord. And it's a, it's a decision that we make every day that we get up in the morning and we say, Lord, today I'm, I'm just gonna taste you. Today I'm gonna decide that I know that you are near and I'm not gonna believe the lies of the enemy. 
I'm not going to give the enemy power to deceive me, and I'm going to believe what you said, that you've given me open availability to, to taste you today. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we, as we continue to pray and as we move throughout our week, that, that we will be reminded to taste you every day, to open up our eyelids and thank you for allowing us to be able to breathe you in in the mornings and in the afternoons and in the evenings. And, Lord, we, we just open ourselves and our hearts up to you to become completely vulnerable to you in that. corporately step into a moment of just loving on Jesus I just I felt like there's deliverance and singing you don't have to do anything if you're in your chair if, if you've got to go I understand we love you if you've got to go but I, I just think for the sake of these down here the these beautiful ones that have come just to release a song of love to Jesus and just fill the room Can we just even just turn our affection towards him for just a moment? Father, we love you. We love you. There's no other place we would rather be. We thank you for your faithful hand upon us. We thank you for grace. We thank you for your blood that speaks a better word. Your blood speaks a better word. We just want to release our affection, our love, our adoration. I would just encourage you to just close your eyes. This is just you and Jesus. invite you to break the hardness off of us. We invite you to soften our hearts.
stand and kind of end like this just if you're on the, on the altar you can stay but I just want to fill the room with that spirit of love even if you're not in the altars you have the opportunity to release something that would be deposited so God we just lift this up let's let's do it loud and proud we love you I love you And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Oh, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. So let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear. Hmm. Just 30 seconds. Let's just begin to tell them. Just This will be the last thing we do, I promise. Just, just, just take a minute and just thank them. God, we thank you for mercy. We thank you for your love that conquers fear. It's, it's how deep, how wide, how great is your love. We want to learn how to engage with you in the secret place, God. We're asking you to release identity over these faithful ones. We want to learn to celebrate your goodness and your mercy. We love you. We're not ashamed to tell you we love you. We thank you for meeting us. Thank you for our families, for our children. Thank you for pursuing us. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. We thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There's liberty. There's freedom. I have to pray for some situation. If you're going through an impossible situation right now, would you just lift up your hand? I know Dolly and Juan. Anyone else? Just I know Nikki. Somebody pray with Nikki. Anybody else that's just like, I just need prayer for an impossible situation. We're going to pray and then lift up your hands. There's Tommy. Just right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we're asking you for this impossibility to be made right. We're asking for your strong arm to reach in to stretch out your hand. Lord, we're asking you to keep our hearts from bitterness and offense and striving, that we would rest in your love. We're asking you for healing. We're asking you for healing. 
for marriages to be restored, for families to be restored. But we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to pour out grace. We pray for Amanda. We ask that you would strengthen her body. By the power of the Holy Spirit, would you pour out your blood over her, God? Would you strengthen that household? We ask you for financial provision over impossibilities. Father, I ask you to uproot anger. For those that are struggling with anger on the inside, like this spirit of rage, God, I ask you to drive it out. Every spirit of anger, of fear, you would go. That the blood of Jesus would drive you out. Every spirit of fear. You are the God who delivers. I just feel that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We declare freedom over your people. Body, mind, soul, and spirit. Would there be freedom to the captive? Would there be liberty to those who feel bound? Thank you, Father. You want us to be free more than we want to be freed. Deliverance is the children's bread. You withhold no good thing. We thank you that as we seek first your kingdom, you give everything that is needed. I'm not going to close the service. If you've got to go, I'm just going to ask that you please just honor what the Lord is doing. Can you turn the soaking music back on? We're just going to, if you need prayer, if anybody needs prayer, please do not leave without being prayed for. We're going to stay here and linger. I just encourage you, if God's moving on you, just stay for a minute. Just let it go all the way. We love you guys. We'll see you in prayer room if you're here throughout the week. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. Bless you. We love you. Thank you for, for being with us today. If you need prayer, please, we want to pray with you.